up there. It's very quiet in here all of a sudden. I think that's my cue. How are you doing? What a big weekend for us, huh? So good, so rich. And so thank you, Priscilla, for sharing that. I'm looking out there. I'm not sure where she is, but that was such a powerful moment for us. There she is over there on the right side. And so uh, it's just God wants to speak to us. Can we just believe that about our journeys? And, and it's not always something that you're supposed to share with other people, but sometimes it is. But, but we're supposed to live our lives with a listening ear because he is a God who's always speaking. And so I hope that that, uh, that ear inside of you that God gave you so that you can hear him is continuing to listen tonight because we believe that he's going to continue to speak some deep things into our lives and in our hearts. So Father, this time that we now step into to just begin to dig into your word, Father, we, we pray that your word would begin to dig into us. And whatever it is that you want to speak to each one of us that that we would leave here tonight with a sense of confidence and a clarity that the creator of the universe has spoken to me, that we would have an ear to hear and that we would have a heart to follow. In Jesus' name, come on, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, if you don't know how to play Texas Hold'em, that's okay because you're who we want to come. (laughs) So you just come on. No, it's a fun night, right? The, you're, you're not really gambling. You, you, the, the ticket that you buy to come, that's the only money that you're, that you're spending. That's how, we, that's how we do the fundraiser. And then the, the, the chips and stuff, that's just for bragging rights. And so if you're just looking for a fun night, and then the proceeds again for the ticket sales that, uh, uh, that go. And then also uh, just bring some extra money too because there's kids from camp that are going that are waiting on you and you have an opportunity to tip them as they bring you drinks and things like that. And all of that goes into their, into their camp fund. And and so it's an important part. If, if you are a parent of a teenager, we just want to keep saying this, and you're saying, and maybe you've got multiple teenagers, you're saying, I would never be able to afford to send my kids to camp. We'll send them for you, right? Do, never let money stop you from participating in anything here at City Life, especially with your kids. We will find a way. We will find a way for them to go. So, uh, t- you know, tonight is, if you've been tracking with us for any amount of time, uh, we do welcome weekends throughout our year. We drop them onto the calendar because we always have visitors that are coming in, and it gives us an opportunity to talk a little bit about who we are as a church. And so two weeks ago, as you know, last week we were with the Williamsburg campus for their last service there. Uh, and two weeks ago, uh, we did part one of this message, and I'm going to really dig into part two uh, tonight. Uh, I'm not going to probably get into everything that I would typically teach when it comes to this idea of, of what we like to say church rocks, uh, but the notes are going to be online. We always put the notes online. It's a PDF document. You go to the website. We listen to the podcast. You can download the document, and, uh, and all the notes are there. And so if you want to learn more about what we're talking about tonight, make sure you download that PDF, and there's more content in there uh, that you can do a self-study with all the verses uh, are in there. So Matthew 13, 52, if you've got your Bible, turn there. I'm going to read out of the New American Standard. I feel like the, the, the NASB really gets this text a little bit better. Can, can you turn me down just a little bit? Because I'm probably going to get a little bit louder, and I feel like I'm a, it's a little bit loud already. Thank you. 
So Matthew 13, 52, it says, And Jesus said to them, Therefore every scribe who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a head of household who brings out of his treasures things new and old. We've been teaching out of this verse for years because it talks to us about what the house of God or what a local church is supposed to be like. And we believe that there are four distinct components to this verse that our church, we, we could say we model our church after that. One is that it's a supposed to be a house of disciples. Secondly, it's supposed to be a house of owners, meaning that if you call this your church home, you should have a sense of ownership of what's happening here. A, a, a house of disciples, a house of owners. But then this last part, which is where we've been digging into, is that the house of God should be a place that understands the difference between new treasures and old treasures. Old treasures are the things that we will value as a church, and if a thousand years from now, if Christ hasn't come back and the City Life Church is still on the peninsula, they will be valuing these things because we will pass down a sense of value from one generation to the next. They're old treasures, and they're things that we will always treasure. New treasures are things that you treasure for a season. Treasures that have a time and a place, but they might not be a treasure that's supposed to continue on. And we talked about that at length a couple of weeks ago, and you can, again, get the podcast if you want to learn more about that. But just as an example, worship what you just experienced, expressive, impassioned worship that has a prophetic edge, that, that, that's an old treasure for us. What's a new treasure is the songs that we sing, the style of the music that brings it. Right? If we're still singing those songs 10 years from now, something's gone wrong. If expressive, impassioned worship that doesn't have a prophetic edge 10 years from now is not part of our service, then something else has gone wrong. Right? There's old treasures and new treasures, and churches and the leadership in those churches have to discern between those two. Church rocks, God is good and you matter, are three of the most important old treasures that we have here at the City Life Church. And I want to spend our time tonight talking about this idea of church rocks. And it's a little bit of a play on words that comes out of the text where Jesus makes one of his declarative statements as to why he came. And it's in Matthew 16, beginning in verse 13, getting down to verse 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn it from any human being. Now I say to you, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. This idea of church rocks comes right out of this text because there's a play on words that's in here that teaches us a little bit about how Jesus intends to build his church. The, the word for church here is, is ecclesia, which was a common term in Jesus's day that would be used for a gathering of people that came to discuss something and they had a common interest. So if there was a town square in the city where they would live and there was an issue that they needed to talk about, then people would come from their, their roles of life, whatever they were, right? And they would come to this place and they would begin to discuss something and share this common interest that was important to each one of them. And then when they were done having this meeting, they would go back to their various roles and various places in life. That, that's what an ecclesia was in Jesus' day. So it's intentional that Jesus says, I'm going to build something. And he picked a word that they would understand to help explain what he was trying to create. 
Jesus is saying, I'm going to create communities of people in the world, all over the world, who are going to come out of their various walks of life, diverse backgrounds and ethnicities and socioeconomic classes, and there's going to be a common interest that's going to draw them together, and they're going to come together, and they're going to begin to work together to advance this cause. Now, we know this cause for the church is to bring the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. So Jesus is saying, one of the reasons I'm here is yes, to reconcile you to God in a relationship, and we're going to get to that over the summer, but he also came and died so we could be reconciled to one another. So we could be called out of our various walks of life, come into a community just like you're a part of here if you call the City Life Church your home, and we begin to work in a cooperative effort with one another to take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to this city that we love. Jesus was giving them a plan for what he wanted them to do when he went back to the Father, sent the Holy Spirit to empower them. He was giving them their marching orders. And one of the reasons why this is so important to us is that he wasn't just through the Great Commission scattering everybody individually, right? He was saying, I want you to come together in communities and then collectively work together and go out to the world. This word that Jesus gives to Simon where he changes his name and calls him Peter In the Greek is the word petros, and it means a stone, a rock. And there's lots of different ideas and interpretations about these play on words, and I'm going to share what I believe Jesus meant with you tonight. I don't think it's the the one that maybe you grew up hearing, Little Rock and and Big Rock, right, where he calls him Peter, which which is petros. That's the word he actually used, which means stone. And And then he said, and upon this rock I'll build my church, which is the word petra. And then some people teach this idea of of little rock and big rock, but I don't think that's what it means because this word petra also means an outcropping of rocks. It it means that if if, if you're on a hike, right, if you're on the Appalachian Trail and you, and you come to this edifice, this, this natural rock wall that, that the earth has formed where rocks are connected to each other and, and it's like a wall that's been formed in the natural world, that's a Petra. And it wouldn't be there if it were not for the individual stones that got connected. And so I think when Jesus was saying to Peter, upon this rock I'm going to build my church, what he was saying is, Peter, I'm going to use you to help illustrate to the world how an ecclesia is formed. The way that a church is formed is that every individual who's like a rock unto yourself, right, you've got to be willing to let God take you out of the rock pile and put you into the rock wall. He wants to take your life and begin to connect it to the lives of the other people in a community that he's called you to be a part of. And as your life gets joined to their life, then this thing called a Petra, this outcropping of rocks, is formed. It's a powerful image, isn't it? It's, it's, he blends this image of ecclesia, which is a community gathering, with, with, with this natural phenomena of an out, a rock outcropping being formed. And he blends these two metaphors together because he wants this community to be one that is relationally based, but he also wants it to have this image of strength because he knows the enemy is going to come against it to try and dismantle it. And the way that it doesn't get dismantled 
is because you allow your life to be joined tightly into the people that are next to you. See, this idea of an ecclesia, it's not just supposed to move you out of one pile of rocks into another pile of rocks. It's not some, some random, just loosely fitted where it's easy to pick a rock up and take it out. Your life is supposed to get cemented in to the lives of the people that are around you. And then together, we move out into the world with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to these verses. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing to the church of Ephesus in the second chapter in verses 20 and 21. Listen to what he writes. He says, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Listen to verse 21. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Where, where did Paul get these ideas about the church being a, a, a formation of rocks together? He got it because this is what Jesus gave to the disciples. And the disciples took this teaching and it became the foundation of the birthing of what would become the Christian church. 1 Peter 2, verse 5, the first part of verse 5, what we would say 2-5a and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Living stones out of the pile and into the wall. Every single one of us was created by God to fill a spot in a wall that is called the local church somewhere. And as we say so often here, as Vanessa talked about when she was doing the City Life Highlights, is that, is that if we're not the church that God has called you to be connected into, we're okay with that. But what we would say to you is, don't just go back into the pile, find the wall that God's called you to be a part of. And if you're not sure, we'll give you a list of churches to visit. You and I were created by God to be a part of a Petra somewhere. All of us were born into this world as a Petros, a living stone. And then God says, okay, I want to take the stone of your life and I'm going to join you together with the lives of other people, this idea of the ecclesia, the local church. God wants to get your life out of the rock pile and into the rock wall because he's trying to build this church that is commissioned to carry the message of Jesus Christ to this region. So what does that look like practically, right? So, so if, if, if the philosophically, this is what the church is supposed to be. How, how do you practically take steps from getting out of the pile and into the wall? How, how do you, what are some things that you can do to begin to allow your life to get connected into the lives of other people? I want to talk about just one of them tonight. There's two more that I like to teach. Again, those will be in the notes, and if you're interested, you can download those, and again, you can do that as your own study. But the first thing I want to say to you tonight, which we're going to spend all of our time, is this idea of you, you have to be present. Somebody say, be present. Be present. So last night after work, Vanessa and I were hanging out with Nathaniel and Shani uh, down at Aromas in, uh, in, in City Center. And, and when we were done, we, you know, we're all going to our, our, our various cars to find our way home. And it was a, it was a pretty day yesterday, so I was on my, on my motorcycle and so I was walking back to where my bike was parked in, in city center. And, and, uh, and as I got to the, the bike, Nathaniel was there. He hadn't seen it yet. So we were talking. Then eventually he left. And there was this grandmother that came around the corner with this little boy who was probably in about kindergarten. 
And, and he comes around the corner, right? And there I am in my jacket and, and, and putting my gear on and got my helmet under my, my arm. He comes around the corner and, and just he just is loud, right? This little boy, he says, can I watch you? And I was like, yeah, come on, right? Future biker right there, come around the corner. And so I said, do you want to hear what it sounds like? And he's like, oh, yeah, right? And so his, right, his eyes are all wide, and his mouth is hanging is open, and he's just staring. And so I put the key in, and, 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 and I put it in neutral and cranked it up, and, you know, the pipe. And all of a sudden, he got the biggest smile on his face, right? He just, he went from to, right, this huge smile, right? Because every guy loves the sound, right, of aftermarket pipes on anything. Muff, right? It doesn't matter what it is, right? There's something inside of us that's like, oh yeah, right? I was made for that. So then he starts asking me questions. What's the helmet for? And what the gloves? And, and so I'm explaining him what all the, all the gears, right? And he's just soaking it in. And then, and then so th- this is what I say to him. I said, but this is the rule. You got to wait until you're 50 before you get your first motorcycle. Because that's what I had to do. And his grandmother says, you're not 50. And I was like, this day just keeps getting better. <laughs> Every moment, right? right you, you, everybody have a spam folder? I have a spam folder right there on your computer where all your junk mail goes into. I, I, I go in there and clean it out every day. I, I kid you not. Probably within a week of turning 50, I turned 50 in March. I kid you not. Every day now, I get dumped into my spam folder dating websites for senior singles. <laughs> I was like, this isn't right. Right? It's just wrong. How can they know that I'm 50, but they don't know that I'm married? Right? I don't know how that works out. Right? I was like, where did these come from? So, right, so he just has this, this huge smile as they begin to, begin to walk away. And then, right, and I've got this huge smile because his grandmother said I look too young to be 50. And, 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 but I, as I was praying about this message, I thought, you know, that feeling that that little boy had is a great feeling. It's called happiness, right? He, he came around that corner. He found something unexpected. And, and as he engaged in that moment, he, he began to feel the feeling of happiness. Now, he might be too young to understand how all of that connects together, but, but we understand what was happening for him in that moment. The, 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 the emotions that were flooding his body and the chemicals that his brain was dumping into his bloodstream, this, this idea of happiness, it is a powerful human emotion. And what I would suggest to you is the Bible talks about something that appears to be happiness, but it's really something much deeper. It feels like happiness, it causes our physical bodies to have a chemical response like happiness does. Happiness is a real thing. It's a real human emotion that, that, that God created. But he also created us for, for feelings that are much deeper than emotion. I talk to almost all the visitors that, that come People who give us their, you know, their phone numbers and email, we reach out to them and say, hey, we're glad you were here. If you've got questions that we could answer for you, please, please let us know. And in and, and our conversations with people, I, one of the most common things that I hear is when I, when I, I haven't been in a church in, for a while, and when I left there, I just, I, I felt good. I just, I was smiling when I laughed. There was, people have different words that they're trying to describe it, but, but they feel something deep when they're here. 
And it's not just our church, but other churches that are alive with the presence of God, right? They, they leave and they just, they feel like, that's good, and I want more of that. And so they come back the next week, and guess what? They feel good again. They might not know what to call it. They might not know the, the name to, to put on it, but, but they go, this is great. I mean, I, I, this feeling inside of me, I can't get enough of it. So they keep coming back, and they keep coming back, and then guess what happens? All of a sudden, that feeling begins to go away. And they get a little bit confused. They think, if this is the church that I'm supposed to be a part of, then why is that feeling beginning to dissipate? And you know what they do? Then they they go start visiting somewhere else. And then that feeling comes, and they're like, this is great, I love it, right? And they go week after week after week, and and then all of a sudden the feeling begins to go away. Some, Some of you, you might be the person that you've been stuck in that cycle for years. Stuck in that cycle. How, how is it this feeling? What is it called? Why does it come on so strong? And why does it so easily drift away? John 13, 31 to 32. I know what some of you are thinking right now. I can't believe he's 50. can't believe he's 50. I'm much older than Vanessa. That's what she would say. I'm supposed to say. Thank you. I, I'm trained. 20 years of marriage, I know, right? I can feel it coming from Pastor Vanessa. Tell them how much older you are than me right now. One, two, three, go. It's a points-based system, gentlemen. Points-based system. I'm ringing it in. Ringing it in. 1331. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. And God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will soon give glory to the Son. Let me read those verses again. The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. And God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will soon give glory to the Son. This word glory in the Greek is doxa. And it means to praise It means to extol, and it means to magnify, and it means to celebrate. To praise, extol, magnify, and celebrate. That's what this word means. I would suggest to you tonight, when people come and visit churches that are alive with the presence of God, like what happens here, they're not experiencing happiness, they're getting close to glory. And something inside of you and something inside of me, from the moment we were created, an appetite was formed in us for our creator to praise us, extol us, magnify us, and celebrate us. That you and I were created by God to be loved by a perfect father in such a way that he could not be more excited that we're his. And when that happens, when we get close to it, The human soul is tasting of what the Bible calls glory. And it's interesting to me in this text of what we learn about glory. It says that Jesus entered glory. It says that he gave glory. And it says that he received glory. He entered glory. He gave glory. And he received glory. I know some of you are getting nervous because you're thinking our purpose for existence is to glorify God. You just have to trust I'm going to get there, so just be patient. Everybody's about ready to rip their shirt and shout heresy and put potash on their face. It's okay. It's okay. 
The reason why this feeling begins to drift away from people is because the only thing that they're doing is just getting close to glory. They're not entering glory. They're just, they're rubbing up against it. But at some point, rubbing up against it isn't enough. You rub up against it and you feel it. You feel this glory. You feel this, 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 I dare even call it an emotion because it's not even an emotion because it's something so much deeper than that. This, this feeling of God celebrating who you are, you get close to it and something comes alive in your heart. But until you enter in, that feeling will begin to slip away. Now, when we read this text in John chapter 13, what we know is the way that Jesus entered into glory is that he chose to be present in his purpose. John 13 is right in the thick of these last moments of Jesus' life, and, and, and he's not gotten yet to the Garden of Gethsemane where, he's, where, he's, where he makes this incredible declaration, you know, God, if there's any other way, but, but, but if, if this is the only way, come on, then I'm, I'm in all the way to die for the sins of the world. He's wrestling with whether or not he's going to be present in his purpose, and we know that he is. And so what John's talking about in 13, the way that Jesus entered into his glory is he made a decision to be present into his purpose. And when you and I make a decision, a conscious decision to choose to be present in the purposes that God has for us, every time we do that, we're entering into glory. Every time we choose to be present in our purpose, we're entering into the glory of God. And we feel this, this, this deep sense of being loved by God and celebrated by him and magnified by him, praised by him. And there's nothing like it for the human soul. We're desperate for it. We're desperate to find it and live in it and drink deep from it. It's part of what Jesus was talking about with the woman at the well. He was like, sister, I'm just telling you, there's a water. When you taste of it, you'll never thirst again. Nothing satisfies like the glory of God. Jesus entered into his glory by being present in his purpose. One of the ways that you are present in your purpose is that you make a conscious decision to get out of the pile and into the wall. Every person has a divine purpose to be a part of a local church somewhere. And when you get up out of the pile and get into the wall, you're entering into a divine purpose that God created you to have. And when you do, you experience his glory. And the more you choose to be present in the purposes of God, the more you enter into this thing that the Bible calls glory. And just as it was for Jesus, so it will be for you, because John's not trying to be poetic, he's being formulaic. The Holy Spirit's giving him to give to us the path that we're supposed to follow. It's a formula. When we're present in our purpose and enter into glory, we begin to glorify God. Which is a theological way of saying that your life begins to point other people to Jesus. Every time you make a decision to be present in the purposes that God has for you, 
your life becomes a light to the world. That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. The city that is set on a hill, who lights a candle, put it under a basket. He's saying, no, 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 hey, when you're present in your purpose, when you enter into glory, your life, by virtue of positioning yourself in your purpose, it becomes a light to the world, and you begin to glorify God. That's why Jesus said, when I'm lifted high, lifted up, right, all men will be drawn unto me. When you're present in your purpose, your life, as other people are watching you, they're drawn to their creator. They're drawn to their father. You begin to glorify God by saying to the world, you want some of this. And the more you glorify God, the more he begins to give that glory back to you. It's a formula. Jesus, he entered in by being present in his purpose. And in doing so, he glorifies God. And as he gave glory to God, the Bible says right there, we read it, God received that glory. And in receiving that glory, God gives that glory back to the Son. It's powerful, isn't it? This exchange of praise and celebration and love that begins to happen in our relationship with God. And then when you take this text and drop it down into the middle of Matthew 16 and this idea of what Jesus was saying about how the, 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 the Petras is supposed to be part of the Petra, then you begin to realize you're connecting your lives to all of these other individuals who are doing all of this together. And then something amazing happens when every individual rocked the gets out of the pile and into the wall is continually entering into their glory by being present in their purpose and all of us begin to collectively do that together then the church unto itself becomes the city that's on the hill and there's a collective glorification that's supposed to happen through the body of Christ in the world which is why Jesus when he came he came not just to reconcile us to God but he came to build his church because through the building of the church people are drawn to the father If the only reason that you do any of this is because of what you get out of it from God, then it stops being glory. It stops being glory. It's not glory anymore. Because then it's just about you. What makes it glory is that you're not doing it for what God gives back to you, even though he gives it to you. You do it, you do it, because you recognize that there's no greater purpose in your life than to give glory to the one who has created us. And even if he did not give glory back to us, we would do it anyways. What we cannot do is for fear of people finding the wrong motivation, teach them the truth that the Bible speaks to us. God and his sovereign divine right chose to do it this way. He could have made the world functional and not beautiful. He could have made food only nutritious and not flavorful. Right? And we can keep going on and on and on and on with lots of other things that we could put on that list. He could have made our relationship with him only about him. He deserves that because of the sovereignty of his deity. But he says, nope. Because I'm a perfect father, I want their heart to be full too. There is 
an experience with glory that for some of you, you've not fully experienced it because you've not yet fully entered in. And, and if you've been visiting for a few weeks and you're so excited about what the church is, what you're feeling when you leave here, I'm telling you, if the only thing that you keep doing is showing up on Saturday, I'm telling you, you were going to get to a Saturday where you're going to leave and you're going to go, what happened? And we're telling you what happened. You never chose to enter in. Let me just touch on four of our pathways, ways that you can choose to enter in. When it comes to this idea of gathering, especially on Saturday nights for our weekend services, you have to be here more often than you're not. If, if you're looking for the measure of what's enough, that's what I would tell you. Be here more often than you're not. The scale has got to swing to the other side for many of you. For some, you come, but you're away more often than you're here. You, you've not begun to enter into the pathway of gathering, which is part of your God-given purpose if you're a devoted follower of Christ, unless you're here more often than you're not. Serving. It's a pathway. All of our pathways, the 12 that we have, are because each one of them represents a purpose that you've got to choose to be present in. If you're not serving at least once a month in a ministry that takes place on a Saturday night, then you're forsaking part of your purpose. You're forsaking part of your purpose. The only way that all of this happens is because lots of other people are working hard to give it to you. And if you're only here receiving from what they're giving to you, well, you know what that's called. <laughs> At least once a month. 12 times a year. Right? 12 times a year. Serving is being present in your purpose. Don't just get close to it. Enter in. With gathering, I'm here more often than I'm not. With serving, at least once a month. It's, I would say for us, every church has a different threshold. For us, that's the very first threshold of entering in. There's more that can come after that, but that's the threshold of being on the outside and entering in. Relationships. If you're gathering here more often than you're not, but you're here 10 minutes late and you leave 10 minutes early, it doesn't count. Doesn't count. You know why? Because gathering isn't just for the purpose of gathering. Even though it's a pathway unto itself, it also facilitates relationship. The measure of relationship is are you known and are you getting to know others? Are you known and do you know others? If you're not known and you don't know others, then you're not entering into relationship. All of the pathways, we've done so many series on them, right? And the series that we're taking a break from on discipleship, which we're calling Let's Practice, which I'm pretty sure we're just going to be in this thing for the rest of the year, that, that, we, that we talk about these principles of the pathways and how they're connected. If you're visiting tonight and you don't even know what I'm talking about, then there's a book in the back that, that we want to give you. And there's a website that you can go to called letspractice.com that explains all of this. Anybody in the blue shirt can give you one of those little green books that begin to talk to you about our discipleship model and these 12 pathways. Every one of these 12 pathways 
days is a purpose that you've got to be present in. Gathering, serving, relationship, generosity. Generosity is an important pathway. It's an important purpose that I have to be present in. We believe in practice as a church in what we call priority percentage giving. It's got to start somewhere with you. It's got to start somewhere. We've got lots of things that we believe about where it's supposed to get to, but I believe the threshold for for it to really be generosity is you've got to pick a percentage, prayerfully pick a percentage that God says, I'm supposed to set aside, and every month, no matter what, I'm going to give that to the church that I call home. Priority percentage giving. It's being present in that purpose. You tracking with me? There's all different kinds of purposes that we share, and then there's some purposes that are unique to each one of us that are different. We all share these 12. All of us share all 12. Scripture and prayer and fasting and worship and gathering and accountability and reaching and relationship and stewardship and generosity and service and rest. No matter who you are, where you come from, how long you've been a devoted follower of Christ for two minutes or 20 years, all of those, if you are a devoted follower of Christ, you have to be present in those purposes. And every time you choose to be present in each one of those purposes, you're entering into what the Bible calls glory and that part of you that is deep inside that Peter calls the cryptos anthropos cardia, the hidden person of the heart, the part of you that makes you you that's going to live on forever. It is desperately hungry and thirsty for the glory that only God can give. But you've got to enter in. You can touch it. You can be on the outside looking in. It's fun to ride down right Route 60 and look and see all those people going over the edge on the roller coaster. It's something else to buy a ticket and get in there. It's something else to ride by Krispy Kreme when the hot sign is on. It's something else to do a U-turn. It's something else when you're teenage boys are out on a Friday night and ask if a friend can come over and spend the night and I text back and say only if you bring me a sonic cherry ice cream slush that's half price after eight and they show up with their friend but got my order wrong yeah yeah I have an audience every week children every week Dad, we got you the cherry slush, but there's no ice cream in it. I'm sorry, Luke, you're going to have to go home. No, I didn't. I didn't. Just kidding. I didn't. I thought about it, but I didn't say it. it. Grace, right, is another G word that's important. Grace. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. God wants you to get out of the rock pile and into the rock wall. One of the the greatest purposes in your life is to bring fulfillment to one of Jesus' most powerful declarative statements that he made in Matthew 16 when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You're a part of making that happen. You think about all the things that you pray about in your life. Think about all the things where we want Jesus to answer our prayer. 
Can I just say to you, he wants you to answer some of his prayers. He wants you to answer some of his. And one of them is get out of the pile and into the wall. Stop standing on the outside and looking in. Enter in. And I'm telling you, when you do, you will experience something that the Bible calls glory that nothing else in this world can compare. Stand with me. Father, as we step into this moment of worship, I pray that you would speak to each one of us, each one, every one of us, and give us at least one thing, one thing that you're challenging us to enter into. I love, Father, that I'm so excited about that word that Priscilla had because even though she described it in a different way, Holy Spirit, we know that was you preparing our hearts for what you wanted to teach us in your word because that's what it means to, we gotta get into the flow, we have to enter in. And those rocks that we're supposed to pick up, they're those pathways. And there's, for all of us, there's one that we've gotta pick up. We gotta pick it up. We gotta enter in. And we wanna taste of the glory that only you can give. Let's worship together.